Welcome to Genesis NFT by NFT's What The Fuck, hosted by me, Jamie Burke. We're doing a retrospective on the history of NFTs, its key moments and people, from counterparty to rare pepes, crypto punks and kitties, from Xcopy to pack and people's record auction. With the stories from the people inside the hurricane and hear their hopes and fears for its future, these episodes, now over 16 hours have been recorded, will be turned into a single audio documentary released as an NFT time capsule. Follow at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the drop on Twitter. Cool. So could you introduce yourself by name and your role in the NFT ecosystem? Sure. I'm I'm Jiho or Jeff Zerlin. I'm a co-founder of Sky Mavis. We're the inventors, the creators of Axie Infinity. So can you tell us about the genesis story behind Axie Infinity, I believe you were inspired by CryptoKitties, but you, you wanted to do things differently. Yeah. So three of these Sky Mavis co-founders actually met each other through CryptoKitties. Um, so Trung, who's the CEO, Alexander, COO, and myself, we actually kind of met through CryptoKitties and we were fascinated by NFTs. We thought that it was something that could give a lot of the, a lot of the characteristics of physical collectibles that we grew up like collecting and loving to digital collectibles to digital game assets, uh, it's felt like the birth of an industry. And you know, some of us we felt like we were born a little bit too late to get involved with right creating uh, the social media platforms and things like that. So it really felt like a space that was ripe for innovation. And I think CryptoKitties was just it was a very simple proof of concept. Uh, that needed a lot of right tweaks. And so I guess this, you know, Axie came out of that as right. So if we were to structure an NFT game that would, you know, that could last forever, or, you know, to, could grow and retain users and, and, and attract more and more people to the ecosystem and be somewhere where people could turn their time and effort into real value, what would that look like? Um, so I think, you know, Axie really came out of that line of questions. So yeah, I actually found Axie as a community member. Um, so I just, I joined when it had just started and I just kind of, I saw a lot of potential. The art really painted a, a picture of a huge potential vision. And I started just doing work as a community member and my involvement really grew from there. And so could you explain how, as a game, axes works and then also like the thinking that's gone into the economic design because of course this is an economy in and of itself right mm -hmm. sure so the poor premise behind axie is to introduce the world to something that's new exciting and a little bit scary blockchain through something that's fun relatable and a bit nostalgic right so axes are uh, uh, fierce uh, digital pets. They're, you can think of them as something similar to Pokemon or Tamagotchi. You can battle them, you can collect them, and you can also uh, use them to earn in-game resources, right? So one of, the, I guess, the special sauce that we've added uh, to this game that might look like a traditional game on the surface, um, but we've added this special mechanism of play to earn, right? So play to earn happens when you give players uh, full digital property rights within your ecosystem. So we do not, 95% of all value uh, and all in-game spend goes to the player base. So if somebody wants to buy axes uh, to get started, they are actually buying them in a peer-to-peer -peer transaction. And yeah, we also, if someone wants to 
create an Axie, they require tokens, both uh, love potions and as well as Axis or AXS uh, tokens. And those can only those can be earned by through the game. Uh, so yeah, it's it's basically this uh, this economy where it's you know the the player base are actually creating the assets within the ecosystem. They can sell them on a uh, on an NFT marketplace. Um, and yeah, there's basically this idea that right, like Sky Mavis as the developers, we are uh, right, like we've lowered. You can think of it. You can think of it as this, right? Like all video games are digital economies, but in uh, traditional games, the game developer acts as this government with a hundred percent tax rates, right? Where they're taking all of the money that's going into the system and they try and shut down, right? Like all third third party uh, activity, right? It's like, they see that as like tax evasion, right? It's like the taxes need to be hundred percent. They need to make all the money. The only thing the gamers are allowed to get from these games is fun. Well, we've turned things on our, on its head, right? We, we work, you know, I've seen uh, generally that if you, you know, go from a really, really high tax system and to a, a much lower tax system where people actually own their things that unlocks innovation that attracts entrepreneurs, it creates all of these amazing behaviors. So yeah, there's this idea, right, that when you give people freedom, you don't necessarily know exactly how they're going to react to it, but you do know that it's going to be good and they're going to do unexpectedly entrepreneurial and amazing things. Those are like the principles uh, of Axie from a from a higher level, I guess. Yeah, and I love that idea of giving players or, or users property rights. And of course, there is work created in the system, right? So on, on the one hand, one of the criticisms of um, play to earn is that you somehow have to pay to join the system when most people are used to playing games for quote unquote free. Um, but actually once you're in the system, you know, it, it's actually a, more of a productive economy and, and kind of work and jobs are created. Could you talk us through that? Yeah. So the idea is that gamers time and attention is valuable and that they should also share in the upside of the game and the value that they create, right? In free-to-play games, why do they let the players who don't pay anything uh, play? Because they're actually adding value to the system, or else they wouldn't be allowed to play, right? They're adding value to the system by being basically content for other players, right? There's certain, most games, uh, especially free-to-play games, they're not fun unless a lot of people are playing, right? So by definition, right, like, the game developers are admitting that you know those people are adding value to the system. Well, any type of value can be uh, boiled down to right a monetary value as well. So I guess you know one of the easy ways to look at play to earn is that we're just yeah we're you know sharing that value, allowing uh, players to capture some of the value that they're uh, bringing to the network. Right. So this makes a lot of sense. I guess the easy example is right. Axie has a PvP battle system where you can battle pets in three three v three battles. This system is not fun unless you can get matches very quickly against people at your skill level, right? So in order for that to happen, you need a lot of people playing or else the system doesn't work. So, right, therefore, the play-to-earn aspect actually makes Axie a lot more fun by uh, making the matchmaking algorithm more quicker and better. So, yeah, that's that's one of the ideas, right? It's just, so, But from a high, the highest level, it's that gamers are valuable. Gamer, uh, games are networks, right? Many network-based products, even in Web2, they're willing to pay their users to be adopters of the network, right? PayPal, 
Venmo, Uber, right? Uber paid drivers to drive even when there were no riders. Why? Because in any network-based system, especially in markets and kind of like peer-to-peer systems, it's really important to have uh, people and real liquidity on um, both sides of the equation. And, you know, there are lots of fascinating stories about how this has allowed for new forms of financial inclusion, both in the context of just users generally, but then also real impact to uh, particular communities. Could you talk us through how you see the financial inclusion aspect? Uh, It's been amazing. So we have seen tremendous stories coming from especially developing nations of people who have had their lives changed by Axie, people who are paying the bills, putting food on their family's table, paying for medicine, uh, even buying homes and and cars and, and, you know, essential goods. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been amazing. I think this is something that will be looked back on as a turning point for the entire gaming industries, uh, where, right, kind of you saw, we saw Angry Birds from Rovio and, and Clash of Clans really define free to play. I think that Axie will be a category defining game for the play to earn genre. It will go down in history. And a lot of these stories, right, from emerging markets about how this is the first game that's really making a huge impact on the lives of everyday, everyday people, um, changing their real life circumstances, their physical IRL circumstances through a game. I think this is, it's very powerful. It has, uh, it's just an inherently viral story. People love to write about it. And this is also how the system propagates itself. Can you give us an example or idea of the scale now, right? Both in terms of the level of usage, the amount of revenue that's being generated and distributed, because of course this is no longer some kind of niche thing, right? I mean, it's one of the most successful games, turning out to be one of the most successful games ever created. We now have uh, just about 950,000 daily active users. Yeah, we have one of the largest Discord servers in the world. Um, we're, I believe, about to be about to hit the server cap along with Fortnite and Genshin Impact. So nice company there. In the last 30 days, the Axie protocol generated $244 million in revenue from marketplace commission and breeding fees. Uh, marketplace commission is actually only 4.25% of in-game spend. Uh, yeah, in the last 30 days, our players actually spent $922 million in peer-to-peer NFT transactions on our in-house marketplace. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's growing. It's growing exponentially right now. It's at, at around 3 to 5% uh, daily compounded growth. Around, it's been around 30 to 40% weekly. Uh, growth for the last couple of months. Um, a lot of this right, was catalyzed by the launch of our scaling solution, Ronin, which basically is kind of a suite of scaling, a suite of tools that we wish that we had when we started building um, Axie. So it's kind of, it's built for ourselves first and foremost, maybe we'll open it up to others in the future as well. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit more about that, right? Because most people know you know, CryptoKitties broke Ethereum, nowhere near the scale that you guys are enjoying now. So you've had to effectively create your own own blockchain, right? Uh, yeah, so basically Ronin is an Ethereum sidechain and yeah, it allows Axie to be uh, smoother, cheaper, to do kind of simple actions uh, with. 
in Ethereum, they have a, it's uh, sometimes right like the gas fees will spike a lot, and we're kind of at the mercy of other sectors even right like if DeFi or right, decentralized finance is getting a lot of usage that's spiking gas fees and pricing our users out of doing some of the things that they want right like breeding axes one of the big issues and why we couldn't get users is gas fees were so high that our players couldn't even breed the axes necessary to fulfill the demand of the new players so uh, yeah, I think like Ethereum is really amazing as a settlement layer, right? It's where you, you a lot of people will be storing billions of dollars, right? If you have hundreds of millions of dollars, millions of dollars, you might want to store them on Ethereum. But for doing simple transactions in a game, a lot of that stuff is going to be happening on these layer two solutions or these side chains. Um, but I think, yeah, Ethereum is really powerful and will be kind of the bridge or the unifying uh, base layer uh, for a lot of these systems. Now, you alluded to like the level of transactions or economic activity that's happening on axes at the moment. And, you know, I've heard a stat somewhere that said blockchain based games, let's assume by that they mean play to earn as well. Users spend five times more than in a free to play game or kind of traditional game, let's say. Firstly, you know, do you think that's true? And if so, why? Why are people prepared to spend more here than in a traditional paradigm model? Sure. I mean, so uh, NFT games are more than games. They're entire digital economies, right? So people are spending for many reasons, right? There's also there's speculation, there's uh, status, uh, right? There are very rare assets um, that people, you know, will buy and, you know, they... There, I think when you know that you own something and there's the potential later to sell it, uh, you're willing to spend more, right? So we shouldn't be comparing in-game spend of NFT economies to other games. We should be looking at how much people spend on Pokemon cards or, you know, Magic the Gathering cards, right? Which is like, there's also, there's also a lot of money spent there, right? So one of the things that we're doing is really giving these properties of physical game assets or physical collectibles to, to digital game assets, right? So why, why would somebody spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a first edition Charizard, right? A lot of those reasons, right, for status, respect, and the fact that it, there is this element of speculation and, you know, that it is a store of value, a lot of these things are also driving spend in these in-game digital economies. Yeah, and so maybe just um, for a point of clarity for those that might not fully understand or appreciate the power of transferability, so Axies as a platform, I guess you call it more of a network, but like, how does the platform of Axies compare to the platform of Fortnite? What's different about the assets that you can buy or invest in? Sure. So all of our, all of the assets within our game, so the Axies, land items, items, as well as the in-game resources, they are all tokenized and can be traded peer-to-peer uh, -peer with anyone anywhere in the world. And yeah, so that, that type of behavior is typically against the terms of service of most games. And gamers, you know, are forced to go into these black or gray markets where they can get scammed. And uh, it's just, right, it's, it's not built to be part of the system, not purposely, purposefully done. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't work, right? So where we're basically, we're aligning our incentives with our player base where we all do well if the in-game economy grows and, uh, yeah, we just take, you know, a cut of all economic activity, right? So they could be, you could think of it as, as maybe the government, I guess, within the system, 
that said, right, it would be very, it wouldn't be good for only the creators of the game to have a say in the future of the game. We're just kind of the inventors of Axie, but Axie is a living, breathing organism. So this is also why we have the access, uh, the AXS governance token, which basically allows anyone to become an owner of the game um, alongside us. Um, and this makes sense, right? Because we're only doing a very small portion of the work uh, related to Axie. We're building a lot of the technology and building the gameplay, but that is only maybe less than half of what goes into uh, launching a game, right? Uh, there's content creation, there's marketing, there's user education. Um, these these are really important, and that's those are primarily done by the user base. And then final question, do, do you individually or kind of collectively think of axes as part of the metaverse? And if so, how does it interact with other instances of the metaverse, other verses? I don't know if I'm qualified or I don't know if anyone is qualified really to define the metaverse yet. I think it's a little bit too early. I think also, yeah, when we use terms, um, we, there are preconceived notions that might come up from like pop culture or like, I don't know, past thoughts. So, I mean, for me, I see Axie as an emerging digital nation, an emerging digital economy where people can form relationships, have fun, uh, but also right, migrate towards in search of new forms of work. Um, so that's the way that I look at Axie. You know, I think in the future, right, like there will be many different digital economies, I hope. And, you know, they may be linked and there may be some migration of people and assets uh, between these uh, kind of emerging emergent digital nations. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess like, you know, in that that system, right, where we have many different digital economies, but there's also this relatively free flow of information, data, game assets and resources or currency. Um, some people might think that that is similar to the metaverse. Yeah, I like that idea of migrating to new forms of work or migrating assets. Um, it's, it's new digital nations. So that's very cool. Awesome. Look, that was a great interview. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's always really fun when we get a chance to, to talk. So. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like, rate, and review. We're going to be dropping two of these a week, so make sure you don't miss a beat. And also follow us on at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the NFT time capture drop.